Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tron Podcast, episode one. Welcome to the grid. I am your host, Albert Kesser. I also produce Topic Podcast Network, of which the Tron Podcast is one of many shows. However, the love for Tron that I have <laughs> goes very, very deep. Um, so, we are recording on the back of some lovely news today related to Tron Ares, um, uh, with some confirmation of the project moving forward uh, with a new director, though, so we'll, we'll cover that later. Um, good, really interesting director, you know, the Maleficent um, director, so we'll talk about that later. But um, I, I kind of wanted to dive right into the earliest memories for me of Tron. Um, and so here we go. So. Y'all remember, y'all remember those days of the VHSs, particularly, and I want people to kind of uh, really, you know, use their mind's eye cinema here. Um, it was the VHS, but the really chunky kind, right? It was like plasticky and chunky, and you kind of were asking yourself, like, why is this thing so padded and chunky? Um, and surprise twist, it wasn't actually of Tron. So in our house, we had... I guess this would have been the mid-90s, early 90s. We had, um, yeah, a couple of the classics, you know, definitely The Lion King, I think we had. Uh, no, we definitely had Lion King, Aladdin, you know, those ones, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, but uh, what they used to have, uh, and uh, this is really dating me, but they used to have uh, these um, small kind of batch of trailers uh, uh, at the start of the VHS, kind of telling you about other properties. Other, other other Disney things. Um, I just got to the impromptu uh, housekeeping. I just got done uh, mapping out uh, top, Topic Podcast Network for 2023 to 2033. I know that sounds ambitious, but um, crazy, I guess, maybe. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what the planned. And, and I was looking through it, just how pro- prolific Disney has become, surely. Um, that would make even you know, the Disney of yesteryear, maybe like, maybe blush, I think, uh, with the the amount of stuff. We have a film coming out, a tangent within a tangent, uh, coming out later this year called Wish, and it is a song, I kid you not, sorry, a film, I kid you not, about the star that is referred, uh, referenced in the uh, Wish Upon a Star uh, parlance, because it is, you know, the Disney 100, um, 100th anniversary uh, this year, and you know this will get unslotted under the Tron podcast. We do have some really special, devoted the Disney podcast stuff happening this year in a major way, uh, as well as you know post post episodes for some of the big adaptations. Um, uh, you know, like uh, the Little Mermaid in, in May, I believe that is. So we'll talk about that. Okay, close tangent number two, tangent number one, and back to it. So. Yeah, these uh, trailers uh, during these VHS kind of, um, yeah, and they were charming. They were, they were just very wholesome. They were like, hey, you know, have you seen uh, The Sword and the Stone? And there were these little um, kind of uh, cut together things. And I think there was one that was simply like Disney classics. And um, and what that was for me was, uh, uh, I think, I can't remember, I guess that proves just how memorable Tron was. I can't actually... Maybe Bedknobs and Broomsticks was one, but there was a couple of live-action ones in sequence. And I just remember the um, 
this sort of Disney trailer, Disney VHS trailer before watching Aladdin, there would just be this cut to this cyberscape, <laughs> right? And and these strange, extremely, you know, like dressed in really bright clothing uh, or suits or whatever uh, kind of beings with their strange helmets in their sort of like white costumes and like fluoro lined white costumes. And look, I'll be so honest, I, I wasn't actually completely appealing to me at all. I just was really, you know, taken aback and like, oh, okay, wow. And I suppose this should be the moment um, super early on, I guess, uh, in the Tron podcast over as we go forward with like commentaries and, and minute by minute, we'll, we'll talk about the, um, uh, you know, there will be, again, you know, spoilers, but there will be the Tron and the Tron legacy. Uh, um, I call them tri-minute uh, by minute. Instead of doing minute by minute, we just do a batch of three minutes each. So we'll be going through the film that way, which should be really fun in the lead up to Tron RS. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so I prefer <laughs> Tron legacy. I suppose that had to be said. Um, on so many levels, uh, it's just Kosinski, you know, he's, he killed it with, um, with both Oblivion and also the recent uh, Top Gun Maverick, so congratulations to him for that. Um, yeah, and yeah, so I, also you're joining me on my walk home, uh, usually it takes about two hours, so we might be, we might be chatting for two hours about Tron, that should be fun. Um, so, yeah, and there's, I've got up here uh, comments or whatever that if people happen to see this, then they can comment and I can read it and reply to you, so feel free to do that. Um, yes, so I, I see this little cutaway. I kind of just have it in the periphery for a while. Um, I'm aware of, obviously, the uh, the next big kind of pulse in my awareness of Tron was, uh, was um, Kingdom Hearts, uh, specifically Kingdom Hearts 2, where the Tron world was introduced, I think. I don't know if it was introduced in the first one, but... Um, uh, but and that was just again striking. Uh, still kind of skewed, and was based on the older, you know. But um, I think it was off of the back of, of uh, knowing that something was building in terms of a sequel to Tron. And now <laughs> it's because we're going to talk about the timeline of the Tron world and stuff. If if it lets me switch between windows, if not, then this will be a very short broadcast, and it might even like wreck the broadcast. But we're just going to see if I can do that on mobile. Um, but now we really enter, like, me and Tron. So here we go. 2000 and... Uh, I, think it's, I think Tron was 2012 or 2010. Uh, you know, what is it, Legacy? But, um, gosh, I just remember seeing the first, you know, glimpses of this. And there is something really strangely inexplicable about Tron Legacy where I find it to be, and this is... I don't bandy this about. I only bring out this term when it really is m merited. The, it's a cozy movie for me. And I'll, I'll try and explain. Uh, I'll just give you flashes. So, like, you know, Garrett Hedlund's character, you know, Sam Flynn, he, um, uh, you know, he, his, his really cool, uh, you know, rogue billionaire's son kind of... Um, like garage thing where he's just sort of he just after doing his cool cyber attack thing which was a really daring choice uh, to start and, and kind of have this whole action sequence devoted to this uh kind of 
Yeah, it's very 24-esque. I mean, he's even got the Kiefer Sutherland leather jacket all throughout that sort of opening sequence. Um, yeah, and just, yeah, so, but when he gets back, I just have this thing, and we'll, we'll get into this on, like, the Resident Evil podcast and other other outlets and stuff, but I really have this thing about when there's a, a safe area, you know, like, or somewhere up high or somewhere, like, secure um, you know, Death Stranding has this, obviously, uh, Days Gone has this in its own way. But I remember just seeing that, I'm like, oh my God, it's like, it's safe, but it's like, you can see 360. I think it's like glass, glass walled or whatever. Um, and, uh, that's where he speaks to, you know, Bruce Boxleitner and stuff. And, um, but I was like, yeah, that's, that's super cool. Then you have, uh, another huge example of coziness, which is legitimately, even though it's very, it's a bit cool. Yeah, as in um, the, the hue and the palette of the place. It's uh, Jeff Bridges' uh, retreat in the grid. Oh, my God. Like, who wouldn't want to, like, just live there? I mean, no wonder he was able to kind of zen out for a bunch of years and just chill out on the outskirts. And, you know, I think he can materialize anything he needs. He's got uh, a companion um, in uh, in Olivia Wilde's character, you know. Um so yeah and like that it was i was like wow this is these two big moments but now there's something kind of nuanced that i want to talk about it's a bit tricky because it crosses over a bit of a bit with our you know other show the daft punk podcast um now how to put it so it's like the earliest example of when i felt like this weird kinesthesiac kind of appreciation like fuzzy cozy happiness was um when my dad used to play uh he well my mom dad whatever they they would like put on for us uh, oscar peterson uh, this like jazz band and it was it's it's so weird it's like dark black surfaces like you know like like dark cherry wood or whatever um or even like wood painted black and and then with slight little hints of i don't know like a uh, a vinyl player here or you know um yeah or, or like a speaker like a 1980s speaker or whatever like tiny little glimpses and Kwasinski in so many moments throughout Tron Legacy even though a huge portion of it takes place out in the grid and stuff there's there's moments where like you look at the ground in the grid and it's like smudged you know it's not like perfect there's a real sense that people are walking on these surfaces and and there's like a a retro, retro sci-fi timelessness to, to the choices in the costuming and stuff. And that goes for both the inner and outer worlds. And I'm serious, like right after this, <laughs> I will be jumping on to, you know, I'm doing this big output collection now. So uh, snapping one of those up, hopefully if they're not too crazily priced. And um, But yeah, so the, just the art direction, sublime. Obviously they turned the palette way down. I think Kwasinski might have a bit of what Denis Villeneuve had where Villeneuve probably saw, um, he said that he hadn't fully seen, I, actually, did he say that? I just know that he had an awareness of Lynch's Dune. Um, and then uh, he just said, look, I, I'm going to kind of take take some, well, just the broad strokes, really, but then really genuinely make it my own. So the hamminess is dialed all the way down, uh, the sleekness dialed all the way up, the palette overall less glaring, less contrasty. There's a lot more. I know it's the digital world, but it's like warmer. It's like, you know, there's a graininess to it. There's a, there's a, a smooth, a buttery smoothness to it. Nothing janky. 
about uh, Krasinski's, you know, updated grid in uh, 2010 slash 2012. Really wish I remember that. Anyway, um, we'll get there as we further familiarize, re-familiarize ourselves. English. English is fun. Yeah, so, so, that, yeah, so that my appreciation for things often starts in a kind of unconscious place, maybe like a primal or not irrational, but like just a very intuited kind of place. And that's why we have the Reign of Fire podcast. And I'm serious, we're doing a Reign of Fire, you know, <laughs> try minute by try minute, you know, breakdown of that film eventually at some point. I know it was the anniversary last year, um, 20th anniversary. But like something can hook me that has almost nothing to do with any of the typical kind of factors like performances or actors who are in it or whatever it, it might. And I, we also have the Twilight podcast. I don't do the saga, not really about the saga. I love that first film primarily. It's like a comfort movie to me because I love the Pacific Northwest. Not, not the craziest fan of the acting, neither of many of the actors who have since gone on to get like Oscar nominated, you know, uh, uh, you know, Kristen Stewart and, um, Kristen Stewart rather. And, and, uh, you know, uh, Rob, um, doing amazing work with various different directions and stuff, but it'll always have a, like a cozy place for me because I mean, that scene where they go and hang out in that, like, what is it like candle lit or like low lit, uh, what is it, like a restaurant or something? And they're talking about who's, what's everyone thinking about? And they point to the guy who's thinking, he's thinking about his cat. And it's just so charming. So, yeah, it's like, I'm dial, speaking of dialing things up and down, I've dialed, there was never any hate for, for that first Twilight. And then I just, yeah, not, not just don't really engage with the others. But um, so we'll, we'll do, we'll do that. Uh, and all of this is to serve to illustrate that um, for me, Tron, even though, didn't have like a Force Awakens-y kind of thing or even a Star Wars kind of thing where, where it had this momentum, you know, it, it's a little bit akin to Avatar in that way where it had a, it had a footprint, but then there was a, and you know, they, they hibernated for different reasons. Avatar hibernated because of the tech that they needed to build and, and Tron hibernating because of, you know, needing to reconcile that. It's like, even though you really made a huge, bold blast back onto the stage, it's like, that's the first movie of the series. I think it was 30 years at the time, something like that. Um, and uh, so it did remarkably. It achieved its goal so well. It, it put Tron in the public, public consciousness again, uh, which, is, which is beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I kind of love it on, on so many levels. But that's the first level, which is these tiny idiosyncratic things of like, oh, I just love that. Like, I love the sequence at the start where it's that slow pan uh, across, you know, the, the the younger Flynn's room and going to speak to the elder Flynn. In, um, oh, well, you know, they de-aged him with the CG and stuff, but, um, but and like the figurines and, and everything to do with like the, the Tron in-game game so lovely and then obviously you're going to i skipped actually a third cozy moment which was uh the second cozy moment is is oh my god a freaking secret passageway behind an arcade machine yo i really love secret passageways and in the eventual uh, my fiance's uh, from bangladesh and like her and kind of muslim or whatever and so she, i'm just getting to say inshallah a lot because it's like oh man 
you know, cosmos willing, God willing, whatever you believe, it's fine. I just, but I go, oh my God, inshallah, like, geez, I would love to have like the TPN mansion or something. Uh, who knows if it'll happen? I guess it depends on what the resonance is with people wider than, I don't know, what is uh, currently a very beautiful and lovely. We have four people on the Patreon, which is, which is charming. If you're listening to this, you're charming and wonderful. And with no expectations, we'll see how things develop. But yeah, um, let it be said that Albert has canonically said on podcast record that he heavily desires to have the means, the Guillermo del Toro-esque means someday uh, to create uh, a house that has like these cool, and not purposeless either. Like I've, they would lead into like cool little storage rooms and uh, <laughs> maybe even like a Tron themed thing where you can like sit down and pretend to enter the grid and it's like a VR experience or something. So there you go. That's that's a little fun little tangent, which I would not, I honestly wouldn't have thought of that unless I was recording a show, um, recording the Tron podcast. So, and so we've established the, the Oscar Peterson thing. And now we have like so so prominent in my appreciation for Tron Legacy and I really am wondering how they're going to do this with Tron RS and short of actually somehow finding them out there in the cosmos but because I know that they officially left planet earth to go exploring but yeah um, Daft Punk the bird above agrees with me so Daft Punk god oh my god this is why we have the Daft Punk podcast. Okay, so uh, the the just the un un genre definable like they they, they define the de, genre defying uh, description defying artists uh, Daft Punk and and to know that they so so joyously made the soundtrack to know that they fully locked vibes in with Kosinski. There's still so much about the making of this film that I would love to know about. Um, gosh, to be a f fly on the wall or whatever of their discussions, although maybe it was more of a case of like, okay, and it's like, insert dailies, and then into some robotic receiver device, and then off go the uh, um, Daft Punk, you know, to, to go and make the soundtrack. And then they, it just a week later, here is a track, you know. Um, but yeah, so round about this time, there was, I think, um, yeah, obviously, I think it was 2012 was, was, was Tron Legacy, but then 2013 was Random Access Memories. And Random Access Memories and Tron Legacy are like forever linked for that reason for me, not just by, um, uh, not just by Daft Punk, but by the, the proximity to these, in, in many ways, very, very polar kind of projects. Um, and uh, another huge thing for me with Random Access Memories is that, like, look at even some of the uh, teaser, uh, like, album teasers for that. They're styled after, um, you know, old ads in, like, magazines for, uh, you know, I don't know, like, arcade cabinets and stuff like that. And there's a certain sensibility to the, the presentation of Random Access Memories, which is so kindred and yet just definitely defined and, and separate from, but complementary to on legacy um yeah like i i definitely cannot wait to you know set up the old um uh you know vinyl player and stuff and just have tron legacy ready there the, the, the soundtrack 
such a pleasure of a soundtrack at the time believe it or not such a uh, how come on like to think that i and i did at a time which is so silly i was like oh i just like derezzed and i just like didn't listen to anything else it's like what are you doing like the whole now 10 years later pretty much i'm i adore every every inch of that soundtrack you know um and we'll probably do it back and forth uh we'll bring in some uh, tron stands uh quasi-ironic ones even as well i think uh hiroko from mega 64 is, is a tron uh tronite uh is a, he's a tron child 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 of tron um and uh yeah i am child of tron wait what are we talking that's it's working title for tron 4 just then no anyway so I hope in some weird word salady way I've been able to convey like the tiny idiosyncratic reasons why I love Tron and, and covered a bit of my history with it, I guess, uh, which brings us to the, you know, 20-ish minute mark, um, which now I have to now open up to, uh, I've also set a little bit of plans for the show, but um, Tron Aris with Jared later. So Jared... I think of as Wallace. He's that's his, de, you know, from Blade Runner, which we also have the Blade Runner podcast. Um, he's that's his defining role for me. Um, you know, he's done several others. He won the Oscar for us for um, Dallas Bias Club. Um, you know, Thirty Seconds to Mars and all that. But when I think of him, I think of Wallace, and I think of a very intense, you know, cyber tinged individual, uh, and and that's guessing where you know he seems very very excited to be going back to the grid and i'll just i'll literally flick between and it seems like i'm still recording that's really good when i flick uh between uh windows okay so let's hope that this continues and is preserved but yes um so the original and i'll bring it up now on our instagram.com forward slash tron podcast um so I had here, so Tron 3 moves forward, it finds its director. Uh, so the director, we're looking at, um, what is his name? Uh, not Justin, okay. I wonder what that is. Yeah, so he directed a movie, um, well, yeah, so Davis, uh, his name is. Da, 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 da. Excuse me. Um, yeah, he directed Lion, or, or the one about the... It's, it's so funny, we have an interesting kind of close connection um, with, with that particular story, uh, which is going to be fun to, to, to dive into just briefly. But um, I think like Ray, my fiance, like knew the person who that movie is based on, which is kind of crazy. So, um, yeah, Trey Davis, Tron 3. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, so it was, and it's even still right here on the on the Disney.fandom.com. It still lists Garth Davis, right, as as the um, as the director. Then we have producers just, uh, Jared Leto, Justin Springer, and Emma Ludbrook, and the screenplay by David Tigilio, right. So, um, in terms of you know the material, like the the story, when I bring up uh, David Tigilio, we see the terminal list. Uh, <laughs> we charmingly see eight below. Which is fantastic. Um, we see Warrior, and then we see uh, Traveler as well. So, uh, besides those two kind of uh, co 
co-prominent uh, projects, you know, Terminal List and, and Eight Below. It's his, um, it's his big break, which is, you know, usually a strong motivator for, uh, you know, a writer to really bring their A-game or beyond their A-game, really, uh, to redefine their A-game in some senses. So, so I'm really stoked about uh, David and maybe at some point we can speak with him on the show, uh, certainly in the studio, not just on a big old walk like we're doing now. Um, but yes, most recently, Lion filmmaker Garth Davis boarded in 2020, but that iteration did not move forward. Okay, so um, this is actually coming via The Hollywood Reporter, and let's switch that to reader mode, uh, which should um, allow us to, yeah, read this properly. Cool. So after years of stops and starts, Tron 3 is moving forward at Disney. Jared Leto, who has championed the project since 2017, will star in the feature with frequent Disney collaborator Joaquim Ronnie in talks to direct. Uh, the film, titled Tron RS, has a script from Jesse Wiguto and will follow 2010's Tron Legacy, which is cool. Let's go um, three-finger press, or on mobile it's just press dragon. Go over to look up. Uh, Jesse Wiguto. Um, Seems like a nice guy, Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Just an interesting thing for, to, to pop up once you, uh, um, see that's so funny. You know what, uh, yeah, it runs in 